Well, you know who wasn't watching football this weekend? Von Palmer from the Vancouver Sun, because it was not Indianapolis 500 weekend, which is the only sporting event that he watches. Good morning, Vaughn. Uh, good morning, Simi. No, I... Uh... Whatever, whatever game you're referring to, I missed it, but I, I did sit around thinking about the court case that goes ahead today, which is, I don't know, the events go back three and a half years, yes. but the clerk, uh, former clerk of the legislature, Craig James, uh, trial in Vancouver uh, starting today. That was, you know, I know it seems like such a long time ago, even though it was only three plus years ago, but this, I, I can't. I can't even put into words how what a bombshell that was at the time this all broke with Craig yes. James. You know, and, and uh, in our business, we recognize uh, the presumption of innocence and the fact that he's pleaded not guilty. But I am sure that the listener remembers one detail from this case, and that is the famous wood splitter. So oh, yeah. the wood splitter, which is an issue in the case, and we won't go any further than that, but I will say this, that for the longest time, the wood splitter was parked outside the building where Global uh, TV, our colleague uh, Keith Baldry and Richard Zussman and Kylie Stanton, the office they occupy and the office I occupy in Victoria when, when I used to go into the office. And uh, for all of the time that it was parked out there, uh, when Baldry gave visitors a tour of the legislature and the grounds, or when I did, we always stopped by the wood splitter. Everybody wanted to see to see it. It had its own Twitter feed. Uh, Heck, uh, they could have charged tickets to see the thing and retired the legislature debt. Uh, And then it disappeared one day. And, of course, where did it go? And we were told the RCMP had seized it as evidence. So one assumes uh, that we will be hearing about the wood splitter again. Uh, you know, my mischief side is kind of hoping they drag it into the courtroom. Uh, I don't think they <laughs> I don't will. Think that's gonna and happen. I haven't checked its Twitter feed to see if it's, if it's said anything. Maybe it and the barge uh, could get together, you know, at some point. But uh, there's nothing funny about the case, but I no. do have to say the wood splitter is kind of amusing. It illustrated, I think, the whole situation, so the absurdity of that yes. situation so well. So that's coming up today for the sure. Other, the other interesting question for the case, yep. and this one, again, I have n- no knowledge about this, but you will remember that it was the former Speaker of the Legislature, the then Speaker of the Legislature, Daryl Plekas, who blew the whistle on all this stuff. And it'll be interesting if he's going to be a witness. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there'll be a lot to follow with this story, as if we didn't have enough to talk about already with that whole briefing that happened on Friday. Yeah. Are you feeling a little bit on your own uh, dealing with the pandemic now, Simi? You could say that. Yes. After more than 250 briefings, Dr. Bonnie Henry still has the power to surprise. And I found Friday's briefing to be a shocker. And she said herself, I absolutely recognize that this is a shift. It was a big shift. The new theme, uh, pandemic management in British Columbia, is self-management. I mean, to some degree, you're on your own. Uh, there's no more contact tracing. Uh, testing is reserved for, the, for healthcare workers and people who are already sick, uh, people with symptoms, Uh, For the rest of us, uh, assume, this is Dr. Henry, she says, assume you've been in contact with somebody with COVID. Monitor your symptoms yourself because nobody else is going to do it. And if you start to feel sick, 
isolate yourself. Wear masks, get vaccinated, all the other things that are part of your own safety plan, but basically assume you've been in contact with someone with COVID, and if you start to develop symptoms, isolate yourself. That is so um, surprising to hear health officials say that. Also, the room sharing situation would just uh, blew my mind. Again, yeah, you know, how bad is it in the hospitals? I mean, we've been told that it's bad in the hospitals. But then uh, we got this story some the, out of Fraser Health where they've given orders or changed policy that somebody with COVID symptoms uh, can share a room with somebody who doesn't have them. And they got asked about that, and they didn't deny it. In fact, they said it's part of managing scarce resources. And Adrian Dick said, we've got 500 active COVID cases in Fraser Health and 2,500 healthcare workers off work, sick. So this is what it means. And yes, patients with COVID-19 can be sharing a room with wow. somebody who doesn't have it. Wow. Okay. And what did they say about this shift, which is clearly a big shift in how they're treating COVID-19, how they want us to treat it? Yeah. So Omicron is spreading very, very quickly, so fast that uh, contact tracing doesn't work. Um, there are many, many cases out there. Um, testing uh, is going to be reserved, as I say, just for the worst cases. And the other thing they said was, you know, young, healthy people... Uh, have a negligible risk of getting COVID-19, sorry, of ending up in hospital, of getting a serious case and ending up in hospital if they're vaccinated. So that's a, a gain for a long time, Simi. We've been told about, you know, there's been a big pitch to get young, healthy people vaccinated. They're not all vaccinated. So now... We're hearing, you know, that the focus has shifted to the high-risk people. So over the age of 70, um, immunocompromised, or in a situation where you're exposed to a lot of it. So that's healthcare workers and so forth. And, of course, unvaccinated. Uh, everybody else, um, as they say, Simi, they say they ran off the list of people. You're not going to get tested. Um, and don't, and don't expect. Trying. Yeah, don't expect to be tested. Don't expect to be tested. Monitor your symptoms. If you're feeling sick, uh, isolate. Uh, practice all the other things uh, that you that we've known for all along: masking and distancing and all that. You, you still have to do all that. I mean, a lot of our colleagues listening to this, Simi, were were taken aback as well, and there were some really pointed questions. The main one being. Is this shift really about us shifting to the live with it era uh, with dealing with Omicron? Mm -hmm. the, Dr. Henry's last answer on this was, to me, the most interesting one. She got asked about that. You know, they, they basically asked point blank, are, are you saying this is how we're going to be living with COVID-19? And she initially said, no, that this is not the plan for the future. It's for dealing with it right now to keep the healthcare system from being overwhelmed and to deal with a rapid spread. But then she finished up and she said this, in a sense, you're right. We're preparing for how 
we live with COVID-19 because there will be something next and we're preparing for whatever comes next in the fall. Wow. So I'm from the news media and I'm here to cheer you up. (laughs) I thought I was a pessimist before this briefing started. I mean, look, it's, um, right. It, it's, I took it as this is candidly how Dr. Henry sees things. Right. There's that term out there, endemic. But basically, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm not an epidemiologist and I don't play one on the radio. But as I understand it, the difference between endemic and pandemic is endemic means we've moved to the phase where we just have to live with it. It's, it's more like the flu or the common right. cold. But again, we don't know what's coming next. And there's another fascinating quote. She said, I hope. And then she said, I realize that hope is not a strategy for manning the pandemic. We're staffing the pandemic. But, yeah, she hopes that we're moving to where um, COVID-19 becomes a bit more routine. But we don't know that. I know. We hope. That's what it's all about. Uh, Vaughn, thank you. Thanks, Simi.